0: Had a bit of a long week. Kind of went downhill Wednesday afternoon, and I think our worship leader Rod's a little suspicious of me because on Thursday I didn't come to work. The day that he had to load 800 shoe boxes, <laughs> so he was a little suspicious. But I, I was truly not feeling very well. I'm sorry for that. I'm sure, maybe he'll pay me back someday, but. That's all right. Maybe the devil doesn't want this word to come forth this morning. Well, he's going to have to kill me. So, we're going to move forward. Now, I want to just remind you a little bit about last week, um, what, what I preached on last week. Because um, this is kind of a continuation what, of what I preached on. Uh, if you remember, we talked about the devil being a tempter. You know, we kind of established that fact that he is a tempter, and how he uses temptation to deceive us. And to resist the devil, we are to have on that spiritual armor that's found in Ephesians six. You remember we talked all about that stuff. And if you remember, I, I preached on when the Ephesians six tells us about that spiritual armor. It talks about that shield of faith. Remember it says wherewith it it quenches all of the fiery darts of the wicked one. And then we talked about swinging the sword of the spirit. When that devil comes around us we are instructed to swing our sword just like Jesus did. Just like Christ did when the tempter came to him. And Jesus is our example when he showed us how to battle spiritually when Jesus swung his sword at the enemy. We talked about all this stuff last week. Now today will be similar to that but maybe even a little more in-depth. In other words, this morning we're going to expose the devil. We're going to expose his devices. You remember uh, last week I mentioned that the the devil is an elusive one. He's crafty and he's cunning and he lurks in the shadows and he doesn't want to be exposed for what he is. Well, we're going to use our Bible to expose him a little more this morning and some of his methodology. Okay, I came across this in my study Bible, and I, I thought it would make such a great message because it reveals so much to us. Um, you ever been studying in your Bible and maybe really looking into something and, and had a, a biblical truth revealed to you? You, know, you ever been there and had that happen to you? you know, maybe I, I guess I consider myself a little bit of a Bible nerd. I, I enjoy studying the Bible, and I feel like the more you study it, the more you want to study it. But I always feel like, you might think this sounds kind of geeky, but when, when I study and I have something from the Word jump out at me, it's like the Lord shows something to me or, or some sort of treasure comes to the surface, it always makes me feel like you know, like one of the reformers way back in the 1500s, you know, like, like um, um, Martin Luther locked away in some sort of monastery tower you know, and having these biblical truths manifested and just like, oh man, awesome. Maybe that's just me, but that's going to be us today. We're going to have some biblical truths revealed to us today, and I think you'll find them very fascinating. So today's biblical truth is found in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. Now, if you'll notice, I've been preaching out of 1 John for the last, I think this would be the third week in a row. We've had lots of scriptures coming out of 1 John. Chapter, or 1 John. Uh, but today's 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, I'm going to read this to you. It says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. Now, I'm going to read that again and pay close attention to the words. It says, for all that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The wor- word here is telling us it's like there's three major categories of worldly temptations, that that all worldliness falls into these three major categories, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyeballs, and the pride of life. Those three things, it's the worldly system, all that it has to offer you really falls into one of those three categories, that's all simply, all that it has to offer you, nothing more, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I'm going to say those three things a lot this morning. Now, before we completely dive into these things, we've got to clear something up real quick, just in case any of us in here may assign too much blame to Satan when we slip into sin. A lot of people want to blame the enemy when they sin. You know, they do. it. They'll point the finger over at Satan and say, well, he made me do it. He, he tempted me to do it. There is no argument that the enemy is the tempter. The, the Bible calls him that. We established that with Scripture last week. He's referred to as the tempter. The wicked one is the tempter. But the truth is, the tempter just uses one of these three things that we just read in First John. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life that is his tool pouch he reaches into and grabs one of those things out of his tool pouch to tempt you the ingredients and here's the tough part that we have to understand the ingredients for sin are already in your heart they're already in there that that satan just makes these opportunities available to us he just reminds us of these things you might be bebopping along serving the Lord and Satan comes this tempter and he pulls out one of those lust of the flesh one of the lust of the eyes or or the pride of life he pulls one of these things out and he dangles that in front of you to see if he can get you to bite it's his tool pouch first John two sixteen 16 is the, the enemy's tool pouch it's all that the world has to offer The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And Satan likes to remind us of these things. The wicked one is is looking for the catalyst to sin. He's looking to pour just the right ingredient in to try to make you fall into sin. Something, just something to jumpstart the chain reaction of sin. And to do that, he draws out of his tool pouch. Maybe I can get him with a little bit of arrogance and pride. Maybe I can deceive him with showing him something or, or the lust of the flesh maybe i can have his body crave something or her body crave something that's all he has james 1:14 says this says but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed i, I looked at some commentary and matthew, matthew henry says this and i like this the combustible materials are already in your heart The devil is just the one trying to add the spark to start the fire. Okay? The the blame is not the devil's fault when you sin. He tempted you, but you did it. We have to realize that this morning. One of the most profound things Jesus taught is found in Matthew 15. It says this, in Matthew 15, verse 18, it says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. Jesus teaches us, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile of man and the enemy to bring this wickedness out of him. He draws from one of these categories found in 1 John 2.16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And to to bring that wickedness out of you, he takes out of his tool pouch and he dangles one of those three things. And that's all that he has is one of those three things. All worldliness, all worldly temptations falls into those three categories. And the devil uses those three temptations and dangles them in front of you. But those desires, they're already in your heart. The wicked one's the tempter, but it's us that want to commit the sin ultimately. So don't try and point all. Of the blame on the devil. Okay? All the temptations that we face, they fall into those three categories. This is all that the world has to offer us. Okay, so let's look at them a little bit closer this morning. And the further I go, the more this is going to start making sense. We just have to establish a little bit of groundwork this morning, okay? All these temptations, three categories, Category one was the lust of the flesh. Okay, we're gonna see if this first John two sixteen really is true. The lust of the flesh. It, it, this is anything that appeals or excites the flesh. Okay? It's these these appetites. That we have in our carnal nature nature. That is the lust of the flesh. These are lusts of the body, lusts of the physical body, if you will. They're the things our bodies, our physical bodies, want. They're desires that arise in us because we are fleshly people living in a fallen world, and our bodies crave things. Now, we we should establish that there are natural things that our bodies need that are not evil. There's there's not. We need food, water, shelter. Clothing, uh, companionship, even sexuality. The, these things are necessities. They're, they're not wicked, and we have to recognize that. Not wicked at all. The, the, a lot of these things are from the Lord. They're the Lord's design. But when we choose to pursue these things and, and tell God to move out of the way, then that's when there begins a problem with these things that our bodies crave. When the things that our bodies crave become perverse, that, that's when it becomes a, a lust of the flesh, if you will. When our carnal nature rules us, instead of us being spirit-led, there is a problem. Things go badly when we lust after the things that our bodies crave. That's what First uh, John is talking about. When all of our desires and all of our affections are on the things our body crave rather than on God, things are out of whack. This is what the Bible describes as the lust of the flesh. And it says it is a worldly device that is not of God. The lust of the flesh. It is one of the ways which the enemy tempts us and deceives us and tricks us through the things our physical body desires and craves. Number two, the lust of the eyes. Back to Matthew Henry. I like what he says here. says, The eyes are delighted with treasures. Riches and rich possessions are craved by an extravagant eye. This is the lust of covetousness. Anyone remember, I don't know, a couple months ago or so when we went through the Ten Commandments? Remember when we went through the Ten Commandments? I think we took three weeks to go through the Ten Commandments. And it turns out that commandment that we thought wasn't such a big deal, Thou shalt not covet, turns out that ends up being one of the biggest commandments there is because Thou shalt not covet. It is covetousness that leads to violation of all the other commandments. You remember that that desire for the things that your eyeballs see. It it is the things we see and and the things our eyes want and crave after. We see something and we want it. That's exactly how we are. We see something with our eyes and we want it and something happens inside of our heart. And we we established that months ago with that, that commandment. Thou shalt not covet, that, that's the one that leads to violation of, of theft and murders and adulteries is because you see something that you want and something happens inside of your heart. And if you remember, covetousness is one commandment that's very hard to detect because it happens in the heart. Mm. <clears throat> it happens in the heart. The lust of the eyes is when we see something visually, that evokes these these carnal passions inside of us how many of you have been going along totally satisfied and really if you're honest you don't need a thing but you see something you, you see the next latest and greatest thing and somehow so where's this thing been all my life i need it so badly that that is how we are it's in us it's in our hearts Look out into the world, brothers and sisters. It is never enough to the world. If you have one million bucks, well, then you need two million bucks. If you have a big giant house, then you need a bigger house. If you have a fast car, you need a faster car. That is is. If you're satisfied, but then you see something a little bit better, then you're unsatisfied. You need that better thing. We want it. We see it. We want it. There's no end to it. More, more, more. America is one of the most indulgent societies in all of world history. Brothers and sisters, if you have a desire for it, we got it. We can hook you up. Whatever tickles your fancy, we got it. We can take care of you. Our eyeballs take in all these glamorous things, and we want them. We want them. The lust of the eyes, it's an inordinate desire for the things that we see. The lust of the eyes is one of the the categories that the enemy draws from. He will come to you, he will find you, and he will say, hmm, I'm going to show him something new. And he's going to see if he can deceive you using the lust of the eyes. It's in your heart. He's just trying to evoke it. He's just trying to bring it to the surface. The ingredients are already in there. It's one of the categories that the enemy will pick something out of and try to deceive you and try to tempt you using the lust of the eyes. It is not of the world. It is, not a, or it is of the world. It is not of the Father, the Bible says. Our third one. So we got the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and then here we come to the pride of life. The pride of life. You ever heard of, the phrase pride is the sin of the devil? Ever heard that before? It is the sin of the devil, because he was arrogant. He's he's arrogant. He's still is arrogant. I, I believe the devil is consumed with arrogance. He's dripping with arrogance and pride and self-absorption. He was arrogant in his beauty and in his splendor. He thought he was equal to God. Matter of fact, he thought he was above God. He said, I will ascend above the throne of God all in his arrogance. The Bible says in Ezekiel that his heart was lifted up because of his beauty. I do believe that he was a a beautiful, divine creature of some type. Very beautiful, very beautiful to look upon, very beautiful features, statuesque, however you want to say it, but in pride in arrogance, he was lifted up and he thought he was equal or above God even. Pride and arrogance were the devil's demise and it can be your devi- demise as well unless we heed these scriptures. Pride is the exaltation of self. It is a self-absorption of self with little to no concern with others. It is all me, 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 self, self, self. We live in the midst of a nation that is completely self-absorbed, completely self-focused, self-gratification, everything self, what makes me happy, what my truth is, what I identify as, what my pronouns are. It's all a focus on self, 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 me, 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 look at me, me, me. It's our nation. The Bible calls it the pride of life, and it is a worldly device that is not of the Father. It's of the world. It does not come from God. God makes us with these certain giftings and these talents, and he's given them and distributed them to each and every one of us, and we can hone them, but a dangerous thing can happen when we become good at the talent that God has given us. Just ask yourself this, what what usually happens when someone can throw a football better than other people? When someone can catch a football better than most other people? When someone can hit a golf ball better than most other people? Oh, we flood them with fame and notoriety and worship and money. And soon along after that comes the pride and the arrogance with it. We become lifted up in pride just like Satan was lifted up in his beauty it's the pride of life and first john 2:16 warns us about this there is a craving inside of us that desires recognition isn't there it's it's embarrassing but it's in there someone recognize me someone recognize what i'm doing it's in there there is something inside of us that wants honored that that wants glorification It's in there. Oh, pastors, your your sermons are so profound. I've never heard anyone speak speak so precisely on these topics. Thank you, thank you. It's about time someone recognized my efforts. It's in there, isn't it? It's in there. It's in every last one of us. Don't you see how hard I'm working? Don't you see the, the, the things that I'm doing here? Recognize me. It's the pride of life. And it's the sin of the devil. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the three categories that us human beings fall prey to. These are the worldly temptations that we succumb to, that we are weak towards. Now, maybe at this point, you're thinking, well, there hasn't been any huge biblical truths emerged yet all we really went over was first john chapter 2 verse 16 well we're getting to the truth bomb part let's take this scripture our opening text 1 john two 16 and we're going to see if we can lay it over top of some instances where the devil comes in and he tempts someone and we're going to see if first john two sixteen gives us the truth this morning And see if it exposes the devil. And we'll really see if that is really all there is, is those three categories that the enemy has to tempt us from. Okay? Remember, just those three categories. There's just three categories of worldliness that he picks from to tempt folks. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Let's, let's see if this reconciles with other instances in the Bible. Let's check for consistency is what I'm saying. Now let's go back to the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read a few verses to you. It says this. Now as we go through all this, keep, keep that, them three categories in mind. Okay. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. I want to stop there real quick just in case anyone ever makes fun of you for believing that the Bible talks about a a talking snake. I was actually watching something earlier this week. It wasn't a talking snake. That that word in Hebrew, it actually does translate to serpent, but it also translates to like a brazen one. It's actually referring to a a divine being of some type that the closest translation they could kind of get to us was serpent. So don't let someone narrowly talk about the Bible as just a talking snake. It really means some sort of uh, snake-like divine creature, okay, when it talks about the serpent. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. Okay, now remember our three categories. I told you I'm going to say these things a lot today. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Look back at verse 6, okay? And imagine that serpent, that divine, brazen, serpent-like deity or or, uh, uh, being of some type, Fallen, fallen angel, Lucifer, he's dangling this forbidden fruit in front of Eve. And look at the wording in verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. This is a direct appeal to her flesh. And it is consistent with the lust of the flesh category we found in 1 John 2, 16. She physically craved it. Satan said, let me see if I can deceive her using her her physical body. I'm going to show her this physical forbidden fruit. And her physical body will want want that. And I'm going to see if I can deceive her with that. So Satan takes out of his reaches into his tool pouch. He grabs out that lust of the flesh box. And he... Uh, uses it to appeal to Eve's physical body to physically eat this forbidden fruit do you see how the enemy works now he takes things out of one of these three categories okay so let's look we're we're not done yet let's go back to verse 6 again it says and that it was pleasant to the eyes do you see that there this is a direct attempt of the enemy to appeal to Eve's eyes to her visual sensory that this fruit was visually appealing she wanted it physically she wanted to physically eat it that's the lust of the flesh now it looks good to her it looks appealing that is the lust of the eyes consistent with 1 John 2 16 it's a direct attempt to appeal to Eve's visual sensory brothers and sisters are you seeing the biblical truths revealing themselves to us this morning now She sees that it was pleasant to her eyes. Well, that's funny. What was our second category in 1 John 2.16? The lust of the eyes. This temptation Eve is succumbing to is consistent with 1 John 2.16. It appealed to her flesh. It appealed to her eyes. And now look, back at verse 6 again. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. This is a direct appeal to ego. It's to her ego, to the ego of mankind. If I eat this, I can be wise. If I eat this, I can be like God. If I eat this, I can know good and evil. It is an attempt of the serpent to appeal to pride. The pridefulness in humanity. This is an attempt of the serpent to appeal to the pride of life. That's funny. What was our third category in 1 John 2.16? The pride of life. Do do you see the truths emerging to us now? Do you see how it all works? Do you see how the enemy works? He reaches into that bag and he only has three different things he can pick from. But he dangles one of them three things. That's all that the world has to offer to us. Biblical truths coming to the surface. Now we're not done yet. Luke chapter 4 verse 1. I just find this stuff fascinating. My voice isn't going to hold out too much longer, so I better make my way. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. So we see here in the Garden of Eden that the enemy, the the serpent, he he pulled out of each category to deceive Eve and Adam. And it worked. Here we are in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Okay? It says, In Jesus being full of the holy ghost returned from jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness being 40 days tempted of the devil and in those days he did eat nothing and when they were ended he afterwards was in hunger now at this point church i, I know that you're probably getting tired of me saying them three categories the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life but you got to keep those things those three worldly devices in your mind as we go through this text, look at verse 3. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone be made bread. Now, you, you got to be kidding me. Do you, do you see these biblical truths emerging to us? Command these stones be made bread. It is another attempt of the enemy to appeal to the flesh. He he sees Christ has been fasting it says and afterwards he was hungered 40 days and 40 nights he hasn't ate anything so the devil says let me reach into my tool pouch and pull out something that will appeal to the fleshly side of jesus and he says hey turn these stones into bread jesus you need this you're you're half starved your body needs this jesus don't you want something to eat change this stone into bread he's trying to get Jesus to succumb to the lust of the flesh by tempting him through his flesh by finding a a fleshly desire do you see how the enemy he comes at you from one angle if it doesn't work he gonna back off he comes from another angle if that doesn't work he backed off he'll come from another angle and all he has is those three things lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and a pride of life He's trying to get Jesus. He, I, I just find this amazing. Verse 4, And Jesus answering him said, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So, here in this instant, instance, the lust of the flesh didn't work on Jesus. So, the devil going to back off. He's going to reach to his bag of tricks again. And he's going to come in from a different angle. Amen? W- the, the Bible is exposing who He is to us and how He works. It's training us this morning. It's teaching us this morning to be wary and to be cautious against His devices because this is how He's going to do it. First John tells us this is how He will do it. He will come to, at you through your flesh or through your eyeballs or He will appeal to your ego. One of those three ways. The Bible's manifesting these truths to us this morning. Let's look at the next attempt on Jesus. The devil's next attempt on Jesus It's in verse 5. Said, And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I'll give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. Do, do you see the attempt here? He showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. He, he takes Jesus in a moment of time, and and, and I don't know that, I mean, these are, are beings that are not in human bodies like we are. Maybe he took him up and was like, look at the, all this. He's, Jesus, look. Look at it all. Look at it all. All this can be yours. He's appealing to his eyes. The the lust of the flesh didn't work. So now he's appealing to the lust of the eyes. He's saying, Jesus, look at all this. Just look at it. You could be in charge of all of this. You could rule all of this. Don't you see the vastness? Don't you see the splendor, the glory of it? All of it can be yours. Look at it. Just look, Jesus. Now, this is is an attempt to appeal to the lust of the eyes, consistent again with 1 John 2, 16. The the lust of the flesh, and here we are, the lust of the eyes. We're getting ready to overdose on truth this morning, aren't we? Luke chapter 4, verse 8, says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Amen. But did you, But do you see, though, how he, he came at Jesus, and it didn't work. So he comes in from a different angle. He's going to show him something this time, and it doesn't work. So what, what's he going to do? He's going to back off. He's going to reach into his bag of tricks again. He's going to try something else. He couldn't get Jesus to bite with the lust of the flesh, nor he, could he get him to bite with the lust of the eyes. So what's left? This last attempt of the enemy to tempt Christ, Luke chapter 4 verse 9, and he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down from thence, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Now, this is a little bit more tricky and a little more subtle. Remember that the enemy's a elusive, he's a crafty one. But I think we could figure it out since we have our Bibles here manifesting the truth this morning. The, the devil takes Jesus up to this high pinnacle above the, the temple in Jerusalem. Now, this was arguably one of the most busiest places. In the entire city of Jerusalem, the very epicenter of worship in the most spiritual city in the world, Jerusalem. There's people everywhere. Some theologians estimate that maybe it was around 40 meters up above that they were looking down on all this stuff going on, all this people going in and out of the temple and worshipers and churchgoers all over the place. And the enemy says, cast yourself down, Jesus. Throw yourself off of here because you know that the angels will come and they'll save you. Throw yourself down. And and Jesus, when you're saved by all these angels in front of all these people, they'll see it, Jesus, and it will be a revelation. They'll know for sure exactly who you are. They'll know that you're the Messiah. Throw yourself off, Jesus. Reveal yourself to them in all your splendor and all your glory. You're the Son of God. Show them that you're the son of God. Show them the miracles that you can do. Brothers and sisters, this is an appeal to Jesus' ego. Reveal yourself to them, Christ. Show them. You don't have to go to the cross. That's God's plan. Forget God's plan. Manifest yourself right here and right now. Show all these people the miracles that you can do. Let the angels swoop in. There's people everywhere. Show them who you are, Jesus. The devil knows exactly that he's the son of man. The devil knows exactly that he's the son of God. He knows it. Jesus knows his mission is the cross. He knows that's his mission, but Satan tempts Jesus. He tempts him by saying, wait a minute, Jesus. You don't have to go to the cross. You're the son of man. You can do anything. Throw yourself off. Show them who you are. Reveal it to them. Reveal it to them. Jesus, you can do things your way, not God's. You're the Son of Man. Reveal yourself to them. Brothers and sisters, understand if if Jesus would have succumbed to that, to his pride, yeah, I am the Son of Man. I shouldn't have to go to the cross. Why should I have to die? I'm God. I shouldn't have to suffer. If Jesus would have thrown himself down and been Miraculously saved by angels, it would have gone completely against God's plan for Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. The devil's a crafty one, isn't he? The devil is trying to subvert God's plan by appealing to Jesus' ego. Trying to to get to 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 just find that catalyst. He's already tried the lust of the flesh. He's already showed Jesus a whole bunch of things. All these powerful entities he could be in charge of. It didn't work. So now he comes. The last thing that he's got is the pride of life. Jesus, <clears throat> show them. Just show them who you are. Do a miracle. Do you know how they're, they're waiting for this? Christ, if they see it, they'll all follow you. They'll believe in you. He's just trying to get Jesus to succumb to pride. That's funny. What was that third category in two John or in First John two sixteen, the pride of life? Do you see the biblical truths emerging this morning? I better quit there. My voice doesn't have much left. Oh, band, if you want to make your way back, <clears throat> the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, in Jesus. Answering, this is verse 12, and Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Look at verse 13. And when the devil had ended all his temptation, he departed from him for a season. Ooh. Do you see the biblical truths revealing themselves to us this morning? 1 John 2:16 tells us there's only three things. And when you really put that under a microscope, you see that is the truth of the matter. We can know how this enemy operates. We know, we see his methodology. The Bible teaches his methodology. The Bible says, hey, this is what you got to be cautious against. you got to be cautious against what your physical body craves. Keep those things in check. Don't let them turn perverse. you got to be cautious against what your eyeballs see. You can't just see and desire and want everything. you got to keep those desires in check through the Spirit of God. And you got to be real, real cautious against your ego and your pride and your self-absorption. Do you understand it? Christianity stands for the denial of all three of those categories? The lust of the flesh, deny your flesh. The lust of the eyes, deny your eyes. And then the, the pride of life, be self-denying. That's what Christianity is all about. Let's let's stand this morning. Father God, we thank you for this word. Lord, I just love having these truths emerge out of the Bible this morning, Lord God. What an awesome lesson. What an awesome thing to know and to learn. Lord, we see that the enemy, he only has these three things, three worldly devices, Lord, that he can pick from, and there's nothing else outside of that. Lord, I pray that you equip each and every one of us in this room this morning against these things guard us against the lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and the pride of life lord and lord if we have succumbed to these things lord i pray that you send that holy spirit in lord god to, to convict us of sin lord god and bring us to our knees once again father god lord we love you this morning we thank you for your word lord lord as we worship before we go lord we thank you jesus amen